0: Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message.
1: Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank you for the privilege that we have to assemble ourselves in your house this morning where we might worship the true and the living God, we might honor the Son of the Father, the Savior of the world, the Master of our lives. Open our hearts and minds to the understanding of your word, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. My, you haven't changed any since I saw you last. Anybody ever say that to you? You know, 40 years have gone by and at a reunion you see someone and they come up to you and say, my, you haven't changed a bit. Now you know they're just flattering you because you in fact had changed a lot. You know, you, your hair isn't the same color it was and you really haven't used anything to change the color. It just naturally happened. Or someone says... Steve, my, how you've changed. Why, you've grown up since I saw you last time. That's true. But all of that, you haven't changed a bit, stuff we know is just nice flattery. We're glad to hear it. But we've all changed. But as Steve's mom and dad looks at him, they don't see the change that somebody just said. My, how you have changed, because they've seen him every day. And really, I don't think any of you have changed any since I saw you last, but you have. Scientists say that we have a new body. Every seven years undergo a complete change, with the exception of Of the cells that make up our brain and that which makes up our nervous system, those cells do not change. And once they are destroyed, they are never uh, obtained again. Well, what has all of this to do with children and parents? Back in the Old Testament, God instructed the Hebrew people that they were to pass on certain things. From themselves to their children, and the children to their children, and to their children, and on down through the years. For God had established that His law was to be known and recognized by His people and to be passed on. But we have changed in the mechanisms and the processes and even whether we do or do not pass on the word of God and God's will and God's love from generation to generation. Deuteronomy 12, 7 and 8 says these words, You shall teach them, that is, my laws, God speaking, to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. Listen, God has given us the instruction that we are to pass on to our children to teach our kids about God and His way and His will and His righteousness in every portion of our life. You shall talk to your kids, he says, when you're sitting in your house, when you're walking by the way, when you lie down at night and when you rise up in the morning. There should be words coming from our lips to our kids about God. And I say we have changed over the years from the instruction that God gave to the Hebrew people in Deuteronomy to accomplish this Until today's world. We do not speak of God to our kids when we walk by the way, or when we sit in our house, or when we go to bed, or when we get up, our society in general does not pass the word of God from its lips except to curse it. And even in our church, in our church family, we have failed Utterly in so many ways to be sure that the next generation knows the God that we know I'm afraid the family has fallen desperately fallen I want to say three things first of all about the family and its away from the teaching that God instructed even in the Old Testament. to why this has happened. Why the family is deteriorating. Number one, it's because every kid born in this world has a sinful nature. Well, that's nothing strange. Several years ago, there was a movement on a national level deal with crime and delinquency amongst young people in our country. At that time, I was appointed to be a member of the Commission on Crime and Delinquency in Wood County. I'm sure you had a committee or commission here in Boone County at that time. There were uh, commissions established all over the country to try to address the problem with our young people because of the tremendous delinquency problem that that we had then and still have. The Minnesota Crime Commission made a statement. I want to read it to you. I typed it out on this card that I might keep it. There's something I want you to hear that it has to say. It says, every baby starts life as a savage. He is completely selfish and self-centered. He wants what he wants when he wants it, his bottle, his mother's attention, his playmate's toys, his uncle's watch, whatever. Deny him these, and he sees with rage and aggressiveness which would be murderous were he not so helpless. He's dirty, he has no morals, no knowledge, and no developed skills. This means that all children, not just certain children, but all children are born delinquent. If permitted to continue in their self-centered world of infancy, given free reign to their impulsive actions to satisfy each want, every child would grow up a criminal, a thief, a killer, a rapist. Now, maybe you don't agree with all of that, and I'm not quite sure that I do. But I want you to listen to a few things. If permitted, the last statement, if permitted to continue in their self-centered world of infancy, given free reign to their impulsive actions to satisfy every want, every child would grow up a criminal, a thief, a killer, a rapist. The key to that thing, if permitted to continue in this infantile approach to life, of having what he wants, when he wants it, as he wants it, in spite of whose it might be, he will end up being this type of individual. And I am concerned that our families have deteriorated to the place that so many of them are not allowing or instructing their children to grow up. We still have adults who are kids who are infantile in their approach to life. Who believe that the world owes them something and they're out to get it whatever they might have to do to accomplish it. Those who are criminals, those who are thieves and killers and rapists in a great degree are infants that never were uh, instructed in the ways of God in our society. Secondly, a reason that our families are falling apart and we have all of the problems with delinquency that we have in today's world. We've got to remember is that Satan is endeavoring to influence this world. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because we spend so much time on it from time to time. God's plan is to build and strengthen. Satan's plan is to undermine and destroy. And listen, Satan is working hard at his job he is going to undermine and destroy our social uh, strata if he possibly can we are nearly on the verge of a breakdown in the in the social structure of this country because there are growing numbers of people who have no morals no respect no knowledge of what is right and wrong because kids have been allowed to grow up without any good instruction from the church or from the home. Thirdly, I want to say that the reason that we're seeing this happen here is the influence of humanistic philosophy. Now let me, what do I mean by that? There are lots of people today in this world who believe the family is old-fashioned. And they are teaching and preaching that it ought to be done away with. Let me quote just one such person. They believe the child ought to be freed from the influence of the parents, and you have heard of times when kids, kids, juveniles, have been able to sue their parents and win a monetary settlement from the courts. This has happened. Now, listen to this. To free the child, we must do away with parenthood and marriage. We must settle for nothing less than the total elimination of the family. That is being taught in our society. It's being taught by some college professors. It's being preached by some politicians. That we must get away from this old-fashioned thing called marriage and parenthood. The Marxist goal is to make every child a ward of the state. The Hare Krishna religious group in Moundsville, that I know a considerable amount about, because I'm up there from time to time, and they have to deal with them. They take their kids away from the parents as soon as they are weaned and put them in in protective custody of other people. The parents see them once a day at mealtime, and that's all. They don't have them in the home to sleep, and only at meals do they have any social contact with their kids, because that, quote, religious group wants to bring those kids out to act and react just exactly the way they want them to. There is no opportunity for the influence of the family. This type of philosophy in our society today to liberate the child is advocating that the child ought to be liberated from traditional values. They ought to be liberated from parental authority. They ought to be liberated from physical punishment. They ought to be liberated from religion and from patriotism. And they ought to be allowed to have total freedom to do whatever, and particularly total sexual freedom. This is being advocated and preached in, in our country today. And the tragedy is, I am afraid, unconsciously, even families within the church are supporting these very teachings. Traditional values, what do our kids know about what was taught in the past? You shall teach them, God said, to your sons and talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you go to bed and when you get up there needs to be instilled, God said, in your kids, the traditions of your faith. What traditions of our faith do our kids know? Where are the values? What kind of authority do do the uh, children respect? Where is the punishment for wrong that has been meted out? Ever since God established law and order back in the Old Testament, where is the sense of responsibility to the church, the love of their faith? Where's patriotism? I shudder every time I go to a ballgame, Coach, to see the numbers of adults as well as kids who have no respect for the flag and the national anthem who see no reason to stand at attention with their hand over their heart and say, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, nor do we see any allegiance to this flag, the Christian flag, and the Savior for whom it stands. Our church families are supporting the uh, destruction of our own faith by not insisting that our kids must also have certain uh, things instilled within them, and that they are instructed and that they are required to perform in certain manners. The Old Testament people believed that children were a gift of God. Psalm 127.3 says, Behold, children are a gift from the Lord. People don't believe that today. There are more... Parents who are believing that children are a burden from the devil than they are a blessing from God. And unless we have parental commitment to the teaching of our children, we're going to wake up someday and discover that we have lost our kids to organizations like the Higher Christian Movement in Moundsville. We're going to discover that we have kids that have no morals, Kids who would never think of saluting the flag or respecting authority because it has not been instilled in them when they get up and when they go to bed and when they walk by the way and when you sit in your house as God instructed. Chapter 6, verse 1 says, Children, obey your parents. Honor. In the Lord. Now that word in the phrase, in the Lord, has been misinterpreted. It probably ought to read for our understanding children, obey your parents for the Lord's sake, or for the honor of the Lord. For parents are God's stewards. Of all that he has given us and our children are a part of that stewardship. And we are responsible for the manner in which our kids are brought up. But he goes on to say in the last phrase of that first verse, For this is right. It's right. It's as it should be. When there is disobedience, there is family decay. You all have seen it, and perhaps I hope you have not experienced it, but perhaps you have experienced it. Whenever children will not honor mother and father, you can be sure they're not going to honor teacher, nor are they going to honor policemen. Those kids who go to Florida over Easter and are totally, have totally thrown themselves to the wind I'm sure in many cases, are going down there without the blessing of their parents. And if the parents have blessed them, they have blessed them into eternal hell in many cases. To think that we can go wild because we're teenagers is an idiotic unresponsible attitude and any adult who would support irresponsibility of that nature amongst kids needs to take another look at themselves in relationship to what God says in his own word all of these marches that we have is a defiance in many many cases of authority because the respect of father and mother is the foundation, I believe, of all authority. Those who will not respect father and mother will not respect anyone else. One of the real problems that we have in, in our country is that of parental abuse. We have every year in the United States a recorded known cases of parental abuse, 8 million parents are physically abused by their kids, beaten, killed by their kids. Listen, if you have lived in the days of Moses, you would have only done it once. The law says, Exodus 21, verse 15 and verse 17, He who strikes his father or mother shall surely be put to death. Verse 17. He who curses his father or mother shall surely be put to death. God did not tolerate abuse of parents in the Old Testament. And I believe that God no longer today tolerates abuse of parents. But why is it happening We cannot fully blame kids for doing this. I think we've got to realize that the responsibility of parents is to bring up their children in the way that they should go so that when they are old they will not depart from it. But a generation of undisciplined kids is going to bring a society of nothing more than chaos and violence and we are fast approaching that point in our country. Train a child. That's an order in the Bible. Than the way that he should go. It's not advice. Train him intellectually. In our state today, there's a lot of talk about incompetency in the school. And I'm quite sure there's some incompetent teachers out there. But listen. That's not where the incompetency is. The incompetency is in the home where mothers and dads haven't even begun to assume the God-given responsibility of training their children. And when families want to send Sal's ears, as the old saying goes to school and expects a teacher to return a silk purse, is going to become very disappointed in the process. We ought to train our children physically, but I've seen the statistics and I've taught school long enough to know that many, many kids are physically incapable of doing even the most minor things as far as physical durability is concerned, and why is it? Because parents have allowed their kids to sit before the TV and eat junk food until their bodies have deteriorated to the place that they cannot do even the basic things. And the school is supposed to overcome that? Don't you tell me that! The parent is at fault in not exercising the God-given responsibility to instill within their kids those things that are right and decent and honest. And the TV becomes the babysitter. And in our society, when kids cannot even say yes sir and no sir, yes ma'am and no ma'am, get up when someone enters the, the room that is older than they and offer a chair, where have we gone with our culture? It's very disturbing to me that a young man will not get up politely and offer his mother a chair, but will hurry in and sit down in it and let her stand. Very disturbing. And when it comes to the spiritual training that we're supposed to have, we hear it said time and time again by many kids, I'm not going to force my child to go to church. Like my mom and dad did. I'm going to let him make up his own mind. Listen, you're sending a message loud and clear to your children. And the message is, church has no value. Don't bother going. That's the message. When our kids, let me tell you this, and I know some of you may get upset with me, but I believe in telling you the way I think of it. When our kids walk out this door and don't stay for the church services of this church, you parents have a responsibility that one day you may rule. not ever be a child leave this church whose parent stays. Because that's the responsibility of the parent to instill within the child that there's something going on here that's important. And I don't buy this thing Well, they don't understand what's going on. I know that little one and two year old doesn't. But listen, he ought to be here anyway because unconsciously he's going to be absorbing the love of God and the love of church that is so important as he grows up. He'll never understand a word the preacher says, but he will always remember that he's heard preaching. He'll always remember that he's heard the choir. He'll remember that he's heard prayer. He'll remember that that's the place that he ought to go. But if the family sends the signal that the church is for adults only, and you don't really need to be a part of it, we are avoiding the very command of God from the book of Deuteronomy. That's why we have a society of kids who are growing up without morals, without proper teaching, is because the family has not seen fit to give the kids this kind of training. All right, quickly, let me go on. Verse 4. Ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but rather bring them up in the nurtured admonition of the Lord. Fathers have a specific responsibility here, you notice, not the moms. You dads who have let your wives teach your kids the scripture and how to pray and why to go to church, you have voided your responsibility. It was given to dads to teach, not the moms. That's the scripture. Moms have had to pick it up because dads haven't done it. Back in the Roman days, the lives of kids weren't very important. There was a letter that's been preserved, written in 1 B.C., from a man by the name of Hilarion to his wife who was in Rome. He was amongst the soldiers on a foreign field somewhere, and he wrote this letter back to her, and he said, If you have another child, if it is a boy, let it live. If it's a girl, expose it. In other words, lay it out in the elements so it'll die. That's how much girls were worth back in Roman days. You women, if you survive, uh, you, you ought to count your stars lucky. If you've been a Roman, uh, you probably wouldn't be lo- alive today. Seneca, a Roman, said this, We slaughter a fierce ox. We strangle a mad dog. We knife a sick cow. Children born weak, we drown. That's the value of kids. And we say, Horrors! How terrible that the Roman Empire would grow up that way with no more love for their kids than that. Listen, don't you think that's horrible? If I would ask you this question, you answer it because I'm going to ask you. What kind of kids do you think are in foster homes? What puts them there? The first thing probably will jump in your mind, well, the parents are dead. No, that's not the number one reason that the parents are dead. They have to have a home. Well, the second thing is, well, their parents are divorced and there's nobody to care for them. No, that's not the, the prime reason either. The prime reason that kids are in foster homes is that parents don't care. Disinterested in the lives of their own kids. That's why. Hilarion said, expose it. Our world says, give it to a foster home. Let somebody else assume the responsibility. A sociologist by the name of Sh- uh, Sheldon Bluck devised a test for four- and five-year-old kids to determine whether or not they would become delinquent when they grew up. He found in his study... There are four reasons why kids will not become delinquent. Now, you listen to these. Kids will not become delinquent, for the most part. There'll be a few exceptions, I suppose, if the following four things are adhered to. Number one, and most important, is a father is firm and fair in discipline. Did you hear that? A father is firm and fair in discipline. A kid will not become a delinquent if that fact is in place. Two, a mother provides companionship for her kids. She spends time with them. She plays with them. She loves them. She covers them. She does all the things that a mother ought to do. If a mother provides companionship, her kids will not be delinquent. Three, parents demonstrate love for each other. Did you hear that one? Parents love each other. Kids won't be delinquents when parents love each other. And fourthly, the family spends time together. Many times, particularly men, I've been as guilty, I suppose, as anybody else, does not take the time that he needs to spend with his family until it's too late and he looks back on it. I think many times of the things now that I should have done then, but it's too late now to do it then. It needs to be done when the child is at home and is there. We have a responsibility in this church, and that's my whole point. I'm leaving the last point off for, because of time, and I went over it in the class downstairs because I knew I was going to run out of time. Our children come to us from God. We are commanded of the Lord from the book of Deuteronomy on. Thou shalt teach my laws to your sons, and I think to have the bad daughters, and shalt talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down when you rise up. This is our job. God-given. Children, obey your parents. Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. Bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. How do we stand as parents today?
0: <laughs> what we play.